0: Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. This is the Thrive Bites podcast, and welcome to season five. Here we talk about three things, plant-powered living, enhancing emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview the most passionate guests here, ranging from physicians to coaches, to dietitians, to entrepreneurs. And my hope is to give you really informative and high-valued conversations. So please, Follow us here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever you hear your podcasts. Come on in and I can't wait to see you inside. Hey guys, what's going on? Um, Welcome to episode three. Um, I had a chance to catch up with Dr. Sherry Green, who is our featured guest for the next episode. And she's a very, very wonderful person. Uh, She basically recounts her story of how she used to do podiatric uh, surgery and how she's made a lot of different detours in order to add so many different types of complementary therapies uh, to her repertoire. And we go more in-depth than that. Um, we talk about, you know, what does mystery illnesses, you know, arise? What does it mean to begin with? Um, how, you know, has uh, different types of patients and their laundry list of symptoms have exponentiated and evolved over time. So she breaks that down. Uh, she breaks down her own, you know, struggles uh, with health as well. And, uh, you know, we, you you know look at different uh, facets of medicine and uh, not uh, one modality or combination fits uh, you know the best for everyone So she takes this very complex approach um, but she you know really really enjoys it and she just wants the best for a patient so I encourage you to take a listen and uh, let's get straight to the episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. You could have been anywhere in the world, and you've chosen to spend just a few moments with us today, and I greatly appreciate it. I really do. So we have a wonderful episode uh, for you today. Today, I am going to introduce our next guest. Her name is Dr. Sherry Green. And a little bit about her, uh, she combines science, holistic medicine, and empathy gained from her own personal journey to heal chronic pain, to help people shift into optimal um, health. And she's classically trained as a uh, podiatric uh, physician and surgeon. And she's experienced miracles that occur when people use a more holistic approach, um, and that and by that, we mean mind, body, um, and spirit to heal rather than just treating um, a said name, disease, or condition. And uh, she's known for helping p- uh, patients um, in a scientific and holistic way to end chronic pain, boost immunity, and help them live a better life. And she's done this um, by uh, more than 30 years, integrating scientific and clinical experience. Um, and she studied and trained in complementary medicine. Um, and functional nutrition, energy medicine, homeopathy, herbal medicine, um as well as western medicine modalities and uh you know she has an amazing sense of self and she helps and uh you know continues this path of helping others in doing so. so, without further ado, please welcome Dr. Sherry Hello
1: <laughs> Hey there, Dr. Colin. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing doing very well. Thank you for asking um. I love, uh, I love what you're all about, um, and I can't wait to get dive deeper into your story and you know, how you uh, show up and serve others. Where are you calling from, by the way?
1: I'm calling from Manhattan, from New York City.
0: All right. What borough? Straight, uh, straight up Manhattan, right?
1: Up, upper West Side, in the moment, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of my favorite places um, is going to the Natural Hi- uh, History Museum, yeah. grabbing some lunch, and then going to Central Park. That oh. is one of my favorite things to do um, in the springtime. In the springtime, because I know better uh, <laughs> than than venturing out there in the summer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, I have Central Park is like the savior for all us New Yorkers. You know, it's oh fun. yeah,
0: oh yeah, for sure. Um, so you have a wonderful, um, very colorful, and interesting journey. Um, you know, you've uh, you've done uh, podiatry, um, which is, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, like foot, feet, ankle. You know, medicine. You know, um, and you know pretty much the guys that hold us up, right? Yep. Literally speaking. And uh, and then you went into so many different you know, colors, um, and flavors of, uh, healing practices, you know, um, you know, sounds like from, you know, different parts of the world. And so my first question, you know, I love learning about how people have, uh, trend, you know, uh, uh, traversed their own journey from point A to point B. So what was the inspiration uh, for you to transition from, you know, allopathic medicine, um, you know, working as a physician, a surgeon to, what you now call yourself as a restorative, you know, physician. Um, you know, what was that transition like and if you can define restored what is a, phys- a restorative physician, please do.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, great great question. I think um for me, it was it was really a journey and a process. And honestly, um, when I got out of my residency and I loved doing surgery and you know, it's a whole different world being in medical school and and then being in a residency or in this container, and then you're going out in the in the real world and, and working with patients in private practice. And that's what I did when I came to New York City. And what I started to see was I just got really curious because everything that I learned in school and my residency and started to apply that to uh, patients and taking different conditions that people would come in, different itises. Um, and some people would get better relatively quickly and other people, it would really take much more time. And I was always looking for, well, what, what's hanging up this healing process right now? What, what's underneath this. And I really got into a lot of mind, body medicine at that time about, you know, stress and emotional, uh, components and, and how things slowed down somebody's healing, um, and then I early on, I got into nutrition and started to apply nutrition into my practice because I understood what you put in the body is what makes up the body. So, um it was this beginning curiosity of mine to really understand the art of healing. And it just made me kind of start exploring a lot of alternative stuff, a lot of really outside of the box type things. And I just couldn't get enough, um, whether it would be learning about essential oils, learning about energy medicine uh, and hands-on healing, learning reflexology, learning all of these different things. I was just fascinated by what healing really was outside of surgery and drugs and shots and pills and really like, how do you get some, but how do you, really work holistically in the whole body. So if somebody comes into me, they're not just a foot at the time, they weren't just a foot and ankle, they were connected to the rest of the body. So I would ask lots of questions and really want to go a little bit deeper with people in their story. And so over the years, I started transitioning out of more of like the surgical, it started getting, that was always a last resort for me when we did surgery. And then um, I became just a more holistic in my approach. And then it really started to expand into, I started getting uh, lots of different chronic autoimmune cases and chronic pain cases. And it, over the years, it just really expanded into, and with my training and what I got involved in, that I just kind of changed that thinking, what am I doing? This is restoring, trying to restore somebody's health. They're restoring mind, body, spirit. So I just kind of pivoted a little bit in my practice or a lot over the years, but it was like not something that happened overnight. It just be a lot of training, a lot of courses, a lot of, you know, understanding a lot of trial and error, trying things, always using myself as a Guinea pig and, um, whatever i learned i'd bring back into my practice and that's it kind of evolved from there
0: yeah yeah for sure um i really enjoyed that especially you know the the eternal learning you know uh, a part of um our mission um uh, and values um, as a physician is really to, is that life le- you know lifelong learning component, you know, to never stop learning. And um, not just in terms of keeping up with scores and examinations and board certifications, but, you know, that's what medicine is. That's what healing is. Um, it's an evolution just as, you know, we're continuously growing. Um, I think it can be applicable for, you know, medicine and the healing arts. You know, there's just so much, to learn, you know, and it makes it very, very fascinating, you know, depending on, you know, you know, what you, you know, who you are in that realm. So, so that's awesome. I'm really glad that, you know, you found the pain points with patients. And, you know, what's interesting is because, you know, a lot of other physicians, you know, and, you know, well-intentioned, you know, they may not have the additional inquiry or, I guess, desire to amass so much, right? Because it's, it's a lot of money, uh, costs and energy and years and time, it is. honestly, blood, sweat, and tears to go into a singular traditional Western modality. Right. And yep. to add all these different layers, Yep, I'm sure it, it's, you know, a lot more, but I mean, I'm sure that bear fruit, you know, that bore fruit, um, you know, in terms of having more tools in the toolbox, you know, I really That's love right. that analogy to help your patients.
1: Me too. Me too. I, I loved always having this big tool bag, this visualizing, having this big tool bag to be like, okay, so how can I meet this patient where they're at and what modality might best work for this patient? Like, you know, I went through craniosacral therapy treatment, so I was doing different hands-on things that I felt was, you know, really important at the time. So I think, yeah, I, I think there's sometimes there's something that motivates you inside to be like, there must be more and being the perpetual student, like just wanting to learn, because like you said, it's so vast out there of what we can learn to work with the human body and how we are all shifting and changing all the time. And, and we're up against different things at different times of our lives. And, you know, we have to evolve and shift and and learn and grow, right. If we stay stagnant and we stay inside of what we just learned in medical school, like there's a world out there, a huge world out there to be learned.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, and I liked the, um, you know, what you said before about pivoting. And I think being in our current pandemic era, you know, it's definitely, uh, if it wasn't a skill before, it's now a skill, you know what I'm saying? Whether you're a business owner or a parent or, you know, someone that works in the school system, everyone had to and has, and still is um, pivoting, you know, to some degree. And that's what kind of, you know, what evolution is. It's like, if you don't you know, uh, become adaptable, resilient, you know, you're not going to survive literally. So um, was there, my next question to you would be, you know, was there any, um, in addition to your patient's pain points, were there any uh, personal slash family slash, you know, friend, um, I guess, health struggles that added to that continued, you know, uh, burning desire to just, you know, learn more modalities under your belt?
1: A hundred percent. My own healing journey was a a major part of this. So I was diagnosed, I always had um, a lot of stomach aches and a lot of stomach pain and digestive issues growing up. Uh, I was diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome early on. And I also was diagnosed with um, a pretty severe case of endometriosis. And that was really, a, a really big struggle for me for a lot of years. And then ultimately it led to a lot of low back pain and I had chronic neck pain and I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. So I had my own, you know, journey to go through to try to figure out, um, how do I bring myself back into balance and how did I get out of balance and, and what was the root cause? And that really led me into a lot of like understanding. Cause if, if medicine doesn't really understand what the root cause of endometriosis and they just put a tag on it that it's an autoimmune condition, there's there's just so much more to be understood about that. So um, those things were definitely part of what pushed me into much more an alternative approach to healing because I was searching for healing myself.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, having a mother that's, you know, traditional, you know, practices TCM or traditional Chinese medicine, you know, my firsthand experience in the beginning was being introduced to something that, uh, wasn't really traditional in a sense, at least practice in America, you know, and, um, you know, when you're exposed to different, uh, a healing art, that's, you know, Several thousands of years old, and um, you know, is heavily researched, but it doesn't explain everything from a Western point of view. But for some reason, it works. You yeah. know, what I'm saying, and if you understand the theories and you know the the different uh, you know uh, contexts, you know, then you realize, okay, it works, but it's just taught in a different you know, language per se, you know, both, you know, literally and, you know, figuratively. You you also practice, you know, energy medicine, you practice, you know, all these other complementary ones. So can you speak on the ones that, you know, you've, you know, personally have added to your toolbox and, you know, what about them? What are the characteristics about them that has made you kind of, you know, kind of answer that, you know, out of the box thinking or out of the box like approach to adding it to your repertoire?
1: Changed and shifted so much because a lot of times I went into learning something and studying something like Ayurvedic medicine. At the time, it was like I was looking for what was going to create balance back in the body and how to look at the body in a different way. So um, when I studied... I mean, when I studied reflexology, that was an easy transition and in, in wanting to like how to heal somebody through the foot. Right. And so that made complete and total sense. And then I was, you know, through a phase of really just working on energy medicine and how to bring, you know, like the energy bodies and, you know, the meridians and um, different channels, nadis and different things that go through the body and chakras and working with different things from that perspective. So at the time I was definitely working with a lot of um, the unseen to be Mm -hmm. able to work with patients. And I would say one of the things that I think there's so much confusion about is nutrition. And Mm -hmm. when patients come in and they're, they're completely confused about, you know, this, you know, paleo or vegan or, um, you know, FODMAT diet, you know, they're trying uh, no lectins, whatever they're, you know, the story of the day or the belief system. And so people got really confused with that. But really, it's understanding teaching people about food, how to put, how to combine food, you know, they're, um, I'm sure you always saw that people come in and you ask them how, what their diet is like, and they're like, my, I have a good diet. And then you go a little bit deeper and you find out what they're doing. And people haven't been educated really on food and food and using food as medicine. So that was a really big piece. Um, I studied, uh, you know, homeopathy—that was really—and homeopathic injections—and I was doing a lot of that in my practice—and um, using like like cures, like type of idea for helping people to heal something that's chronic. And um, when the body gets into more of a chronic state, it's definitely very different than when somebody's in an acute state. And so there's different times that it led me to be treating. Uh, different things. I mean, I studied uh, craniosacral therapy was amazing, and, and looking at tension patterns in the body and being able to release tension patterns, and you know, just the act of putting hands on with somebody—that's why massage is just so beneficial for people to be able to just let go and release, right? Release the tension that exists. I mean, we live in a really stressful world, and most of us hold a lot of tension in our bodies, and don't always know that we're holding so much tension. So I think anything that can create like a stress relief, tension relief that brings somebody back into a more grounded state. I was always looking to get people back in their bodies because I really felt that people were just not in the body. Um, They were in fear. They were in their head. They were uh, just not inhabiting the body. And it's just an interesting experience of working with pain when you're in the body and when you're not in the body. And I have a lot of experience with pain, physical pain from what Mm. I went through and really understanding um, panic and pain and fear and how that manifests in somebody's body and how to work with it and how to work when you're in somebody who's in chronic pain, how do you help that person mentally and emotionally do what they need to do and get through it And not have as much fear that they're always going to be this way because you can really get stuck in that mindset of like, this is it. I'm going to be like this forever. And um, so, yeah, I I mean, I got really attracted to trying to understand my own body and how that was working and how to manage life being in in the kind of pain that I was in uh, and helping other people to. So it gives me such a great perspective when somebody comes to me in so much pain, it's like, I get it. Like I really am. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, um, so, you know, having been trained in family medicine and, uh, when I started my professional career, one of my first, uh, um, early working sites was traveling to, uh, you know, New Orleans and Louisiana and I worked at a VA system and, um, honestly, when you talk about pain, chronic pain, persistent pain, um, you know, there's no, I can't think of a, a good, better example of a population of, of demographics that truly, you know, not just physically, but like mentally, emotionally. Um, and it's a very, it's a vicious cycle, you know, because there's a lot of substance abuse. There's a lot of just general abuse. There's a it's just one yeah. gigantic circle that funnels itself, you know? And, um, you know, you have some some people that are able to break patterns. You have some people that are able to, you know, address some things. But by and large, you know, a lot of people don't have um, answers or solutions. They end up giving up. A lot of you know people commit suicide and things like that. That's can it. you can you um can you give us an example? Um, I know we were talking offline, and uh, you know, you were telling me about like you know how people can come in with just you know, when people fill out a intake questionnaire, it's not just one or two reasons or one or two symptoms, but it's like a laundry list from like 10 to 20. Right. So what is the I'm sure that sounds like a day to day thing. Right. So what, what is, uh, what is the process of, you know, how do you like, you know, navigate through something like that, you know, through your lens of modalities?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, when you take a do an intake, an extensive intake with somebody, and you ask all kinds of questions and you really dig deep into their history, especially their childhood history of antibiotics and uh, surgeries and past surgeries and past losses, and just asking all these types of questions that really should be asked, um, you get to look at this laundry list when people start to tell you what they're struggling with. And, and many, many struggle with either anxiety or depression or both. Um, a lot of people have sleep issues. A lot of people have digestive issues. Um, and people have skin issues, like crazy. And a lot of people have chronic fatigue. And so when you're looking at this long list and you're asking questions and then you're meeting with somebody and you're asking really what's primary, like what's what are they struggling with the most? Because when you ask somebody what are their symptoms, they're going to tell you every single thing. You know, my hair is falling out, which happens a lot with women with, uh, a lot of adrenal stuff. And, um, there's a, you know, you have to figure out where to start with somebody, where, where do you start? And you have to look at what they're doing with their diet now. Where, where are they in their, um, their protocols now? Like what type of supplements are they taking? What is their lifestyle like? What are, you know, Who to live with? What type of stressors are they dealing with right now? And really understanding like what is somebody capable of actually changing. Because if you try to change too many things too fast, it's just this big overwhelm. So it's like kind of getting what's what's primary right now? What are you struggling with the most? And then a lot of times when you address some of those things, the other things will naturally, because the body's gonna prioritize anyway what it's gonna, what it's gonna go for first. Um, it's not always the first thing you want to heal. It didn't happen for me that way either, but it's it's a success and 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 getting somebody to see that it's a success and their body is healing and it's not not healing just because the symptom they want most to go away hasn't gone away yet. So I think it's really just looking at prioritizing, listening to them, where they're at, what's what's causing them the most angst and then deciding on how to go, where to go from there. So majority of my practice is online right now. Um, So um, if there's not a lot of hands-on modalities that are being done, it's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of coaching. It's a lot of uh, dietary. It's a lot of supplements. It's a lot of recommendation of something in their area um you know i work with people who are in outside of the us like that are in italy or france and like finding out what the, what type of modalities that they can do there and how they can get the help that they need physically in person there so i become like this gateway also for people to find you know they they come to me with their labs and and all the things that they're doing with a practitioner and a lot of people are uh, afraid of talking to their doctor because you know the doctor visit is so short and they get overwhelmed and they're intimidated. So kind of empowering the patient is my job to go back and let them know that they have to trust themselves and what they're feeling. And they have to be able to stand strong in what they feel and they may not agree and they should be able to speak about it. But, and if they're trying to find a good healthy dynamic between the doctor and the patient and how to learn to create that with doctor-patient relationship, I think is really, really important.
0: Uh, For sure, and I totally agree with that. Hey guys, we're gonna be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Colin Zhu, and have you ever wondered how to get started on the pathway for a healthier lifestyle? You're wondering, man, I've been hearing all about veganism and vegetarianism and becoming more whole food plant based. And you're just asking yourself, what is that? And how do I get started? Well, you're in luck. I just partnered with Listenable and they are an audio lesson platform. You can get it on the App Store and they're five minute audio lessons where you can just take on the go. Anywhere that you travel, whether you're commuting, you're grocery shopping, and you are cleaning up your house, Um, they're five minute audio lessons. And I partner with Listenable to create how to get started on a whole food plant based lifestyle. And I teach anywhere from how to navigate a supermarket, how to stock your fridge, your pantry, your freezer how to go about your kitchen and what kind of utensils and supplies you need to get. Um, And we talk about the different food groups and overall, you know, we just wanna get started. It's an hour lesson and it's a great tool to put into your toolkit on how to get started on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. So, and if you go now to listmo.io, you can enter the code ColinZoo and you can get 30% off a year on these audio courses, not just, for mine but also for anyone else's that are in the industry and it ranges from health to psychology again it's five minute courses and they're great and if you want to get healthier for this year um i highly encourage that Um, i always advocate uh, the people that I speak to, my patients or clients to not just get healthier for themselves, but also for the family, for their significant other, for their children. So I encourage you to take a listen and thank you so much for listening and back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. How does mystery illness come into play? Um, you know, it sounds like, you know, you have experience with this. And, you know, is mystery illness, um, you know, defined as just a conglomeration of all these different symptoms mashed together? Or is it, you know, something that you're just scratching your head because, you know, when I when I see patients and you know when when I encounter something that I've never heard of or you know um, or it just seemingly sounds like this but it doesn't sound like that, you know, it just kind of fits in the in between. Like, what is what does that mean, you know, in your terms? And you know, do you use the same process to be able to kind of you know, hey, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you label it. It's really about going to the root cause of it and figuring out which type of modalities um, or collection uh, of of modalities to be able to, you know, help the patient.
1: Yeah, you know, people come in with more like tags, like name tags for different diseases these days, like I've never seen. and um, And then there's patients that really do come in for, with a lot of symptoms and the doctors kind of like, well, we, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on with you or how to help you. And so there's this laundry list of a lot of them are neurological and doctors don't like their crazy amounts of neurological symptoms where they're vibrating. They feel like they're on a boat, they're shaking. They have like heat in the top of their head. They have all these types of neurological conditions that happen that doctors really you know, don't know how to treat or they're going to throw like a different med at it. And um, they can't really figure out exactly where to put that patient and what box they go in or how exactly to help it. And so they, they, I look more at all the different symptoms that somebody is struggling with uh, to be able to put these symptom pieces together and be like, oh, okay, I actually have seen this before, but it's mystery because of the fact that doctors really, they can't name it. They don't know how to definitely treat it by, except to say, we can give you some antidepressants or pain medications for this. So it becomes like when a, a patient comes in, I'm like experiencing all of these things. And a lot of times doctors are like, I have no idea what that is, and because I've seen I've seen this a lot because of the patient load that I've gotten, um, it's more familiar to me. So it's mm. like okay, even if I don't know exactly, like you said, it's falling in between the cracks, so it doesn't fit in exactly. But I can feel like a lot of these things are underneath it is toxicity. And there's var- uh, viruses, there's low grade viruses that people walk around with. And there's more and more of that right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, chronic, chronic side effects from all those viruses and what type of havoc they're causing in the body on top of a body that's very toxic. Mm-hmm. And most people don't realize how much they need to cleanse or what cleansing is about or how to cleanse and their overload, their liver is just getting more and more sluggish, more and more toxic, and then they start having digestive issues, and then they start having chronic headaches, and then, and so you can't really look at if your liver enzymes, uh, uh, according to a blood panel, are fine. Nobody can see you got a sluggish liver, but <laughs> if you look at different types of condition, you know. Symptoms that people you can look and what they eat and what their diet's like and what the how they've been living and then kind of look at their past and look at the mercury amalgams they've had and you can look yeah. at all of these pieces of the puzzle that somehow you get to see and somebody's had like a woman has had a copper iud forever and all of these things cause problems down the line for somebody because yeah. it just adds up it becomes this big load in somebody's body and it's overloaded. I mean, we're bombarded with sprays and toxins and things all over the place these days and chemical like, you know, fragrances. And we we don't eat, we're so inundated and we're such in a toxic soup sometimes. And some of us came in with a bigger load of toxins. So yeah. they're d- like tapped out and then they start having all these symptoms and they don't know. And they start going to their doctor and their doctor doesn't really know what to do. And that's when they start searching for alternative healers and alternative medicine.
0: Yeah, I totally, there's so much to impact uh, uh, in what you just said. Um, One of my favorite things you said was um, puzzle, right? Um, And connecting the dots. I think one of the advantages of learning a different modality or, you know, adding on a complementary alternative type of therapy to your repertoire is, you know, using different lenses, right? Um, Using different lenses, thinking in a different way, thinking in a different approach. And, um, you know, it's about connecting the pieces. You know, I find that a lot of my work is connecting the dots, which I'm sure, you know, you do all day long um, as well. And And even if you can't find an answer at that moment, you can think of it in a different way. And, you know, sooner or later, you can arrive to something. And, um, you know, it's uh, I I totally I totally get what you're saying, you know, because we are in this toxic environment. Um, You know, a a lot of Western medicine to me doesn't really address, um, you know, not to knock it, you know, um, you know, I love Western medicine. You know, I love, you know. Uh, You know, the necessary, you know, the advancement of it, but there's a lot of things, you know, it doesn't really address for in terms of the toxicity levels that we encounter on a day to day, you know, like we're not good with good with mold, right? We're not good with dealing with, you know, heavy, you know, metal, you know, toxicity and poisoning, Um, you know, look at the amount of you know, trash and, uh, you know, plastics, you know, in our, you know, oceans, you know, people love seafood, right? Right. Um, Look at and, you know, where are we going with, you know, as we upgrade with EMF, you know, uh, electromagnetic fields, you know, how does that affect our health, you know, in the long term, there's just so much, you know, just because you don't have the answer, that doesn't mean, you know, to me, I say it like, you know, just because you don't have the answer or the research or the evidence or the quote unquote proof, you know, that something is affected or not affected, that doesn't mean it isn't, you know what I'm saying? So For sure. you kind of have to, I don't like to make assumptions, but you kind of have to presume that it does unless proven otherwise, right? So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I agree with you. You know, I think uh, traditional conventional medicine, it has its place. You know, there's some great diagnostic tools. There's great surgeons out there. There's times when surgery is necessary. And there, you know, but to really, for those cases that fall, that don't fall into those categories, those are the people that fall through the cracks and kind of get lost, right? So it's helping that. And it seems to be expanding, bigger and bigger all the time around those people that have these like symptoms that they just feel like they have to live with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have, um, you know, 30 years plus of, you know, clinical, you know, experience in terms of quote unquote mystery illnesses, you feel like, you know, that has kind of exponentiated, you know, over time, you know, from your experience.
1: In my experience, a hundred percent, I've never seen like, As many sick, really sick people as I've been seeing and seeing them at younger and younger ages. Like, I see a lot of 20 year olds with like so many problems. Like, it's unbelievable where they have to leave school and they're bedridden. And I mean, it's really, I've just been exposed and it's just exponentially increased. I think over the past 10, at least 10 years, I've seen such a huge jump in that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so I wanted to kind of come towards uh towards the end of our uh interview today and uh one of the questions I'd love to ask is uh you know, our modern day healthcare system, you know, where, you know, instead of you know, as you know, for those that are, you know, lay people not in a healthcare profession, um, you know, we you know, depending on who you are, we rant about the healthcare system all day long. And uh, we always say, you know, what's broken and stuff like that. What are some of the ways to kind of flip this and kind of look at it differently? You know, what are some of the ways that if you had a chance to be able to improve it, like, what would you have done differently? Because like we said in the beginning of the conversation, you know, it takes a lot of time to be able to train, you know, a Western trained physician or surgeon, right? And then, And then you tack on so many more years, you know, months to years of all these other, you know, therapies, it's a long time, right? So if we had a chance to kind of not necessarily shortcut it, but like if there was a way that, you know, I gave you a magic wand, you know, and, you know, if you could just like, you know, wave it, like, what would you do differently? You know, how would you present it, I guess?
1: what would I different, do differently in my own training or what would I want to do differently in, in general for everybody's training?
0: I would say, what would you do differently for the system in terms of what it's offering and, or what it's not offering in terms of, you know, patients, just uh, like we said, falling through the cracks, you know, not really being heard or not really being understood.
1: I honestly, uh, because um one of the things that I'm I'm getting into is being able to train other practitioners to be able to be better practitioners. And Mm. I think it should start in medical school because when you learn in medical school, like you learn all the the science and everything in the books and all the, you know, disease names and the drug names and, and, and how to do surgery and, and all those things. But as far as, I mean, the first thing has to happen is they have to teach nutrition in, in medical school. And obviously it's a very, very, I think I had one class. Uh, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I remember it was like a joke and (laughs) uh, it really was, it was a joke. And um, so I think that having, having like a good sense of teaching medical students how to eat, how to take care of themselves, they're under an enormous amount of stress. Um, so how to take care of themselves and really, really fully learning about nutrition. That's number one. But I would also say that there'd be some course on how to, uh, you know, working with patients and I'm sure you understand this. There's like, there's this mental emotional connection that has to happen with a patient in a way that I think that you, not that, you know, there's obviously boundaries, but if you can find a way to connect with a patient differently than that, that doctor patient where I got the white coat on and, you know, the uh, patient is, doesn't know anything. It's really about listening to the patient more, um, letting them have time, which is a big issue in today's medicine is patient doctors don't have enough time to listen to patients, but also to learn how to use more of their intuition in being able to listen. Because when Mm. you you truly listen to a patient, they're telling you the answer, like they're telling Mm -hmm. you what's wrong. And I think instead of like wanting to just put them into a diagnosis box really easily, and what's going to happen next, I think a doctor learning, you know, compassion, and empathy and connecting with a patient, and being able to kind of use their other senses when they're working with a patient. And I think in the way, way past, that's how doctors used to, when they would take their medical bag and go to people's homes and like sit on their bed and take care of somebody, there was a different level of connection. And I think we lost that. And I mean, electronic medical records has always has done that too, because the doctor isn't, is typing constantly, right? It's going to put their notes in and there's a, there's like a lack of connection and there's a lack of hands-on palpation and there's not enough attention to like the stressors, like maybe doc, and cause doctors get so overwhelmed and stress themselves. Maybe there's some sort of teaching doctors how to de-stress themselves, how to ground themselves in their body, how to de-stress themselves so that they can deal with like patients, dealing with a patient who's chronically sick or in pain is a very different type of patient that needs a certain amount of presence. And it's not so simple all the time. It's really not.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just um, a lot, you know, that you just gave. And um, I agree. I agree with them all. Um, you know, I think if I, if I was teaching medical students from the ground up, because a lot of my pain points and frustrations came from medical school, and I loved my medical school. Um, you know, great area that I, uh, you know, learned and great people that taught me. Um, but, you know, it was really, you know, holistically, more holistically, um, you know, focusing on preventative health, wellness, optimizing, you know, nutrition, lifestyle, yeah. um, self-care, you know, self-care. It's yeah. it's not really a trend, a hashtag or anything. It's it's real stuff that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you take the example of a relationships, you know, a lot of times, you know, what we're learning is that like – If you can't fully optimize yourself, um, you know, it it shows in a relationship because, you know, you are just sharing it. You know, you're sharing parts of yourself with yourself, with another person. Um, And in a way, it's kind of like the doctor and patient and patient relationship is similar. You know, that's why when I got into lifestyle medicine, uh, what I loved about it was it almost in a way kind of teaches you accountability for yourself and, you know, learning about, you know, practicing what you preach, walking the talk. And I really loved it. And I already did that anyway. So it just became a natural, you know, uh, a natural uh, positive consequence of following through with that profession as well. But it's really, you know, you know, practicing self-care, listening, like you said, you know, listening as a skill, compassion, empathy. These are really they're not, they're hard skills to master, but they're so necessary, you know, so they're necessary. so necessary, and, you know,
1: not would want your pay your doctor to like, it's all, um, inherent that we need to be able to, um, know ourselves, right. We have to mm-hmm. know ourselves and like, what are our strengths and our weaknesses? And like, it's more that self-inquiry. So like, mm-hmm. if, if doctors had more time to kind of do more work on themselves mm-hmm. and it, they could be like such a, a, you know, a good example for their patients, yeah. Right. And yeah. And- just a whole different system yeah. would evolve from that.
0: Yeah. I like, um, you know, I was, you know, I'm a huge, you know, uh, traveler um, prior to COVID uh, still am once, you know, we get back to a new normal, but uh, what I, what I, you know, understood like what the Europeans do, what the Aussies do, what the New Zealand's do, what what they do is they take a gap year, you know, between college before going into either further studies or like work, they right. take a gap year and they travel around the world. I wish as Americans, we had something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Half half of my class in medical school was, you know, people that were straight through school had took no breaks. And right. then the other half was, you know, uh, mid career, they would change and, and, and went into, you know, medicine. And I just find that there's such a huge difference of maturity, uh you know between the two and I fully fully advocate for taking a break, you know, taking the necessary time, you know, um to really, you know, like you said, that self-inquiry and, you know, finding yourself and honing that, you know, what is your why type of deal. Um, uh, I think it'll make a much better uh form of medicine that you ultimately, you know, uh practice. So
1: agreed. Oh, so- uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Sherry, this has been great. Um, I love our conversation. Uh, We're going to come to a close. My last question I'd love to ask is, you know, if, uh, you know, uh, if give us three tips that you have utilized in your own, um, you know, uh, life that has helped make you thrive. Um, And I think uh, now is, you know, more than ever, you know, given our circumstances, to not just survive but to thrive. And I think that you know, people who come from a uh, a, a passionate state, um, you know, a, a burning desire to, you know, really want to do good for themselves, for the world, for the profession. Um, they have this something, right? And everyone is different. So, what is that for you? And how have you incorporated that in your life?
1: No, that's, it's really a great question because I I learned early on, if I wasn't taking care of myself, then, and, you know, like they say, putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, you're just not going to be as great of service to, to somebody, to your patients or, you know, just anybody else, your partner Um, so for me, it's about having consistency with my practices. So my consistency is definitely making sure I have time for exercise, that I have some time for like meditation, prayer, mostly some meditation in the morning and then, you know, foods and really the plant being on plant-based and, and it's made such a huge difference in my life in so many different ways. And so that I take the time and, um, and it's time and energy and to prepare and to think ahead and plan. Um, and, you know, listen, chopping and washing and shopping and cooking, it, it's, a, it's a lot of work. But you know what? It's so satisfying to me. And I know that I'm putting good things in my body. So I would say those things are really, really key. Um, another thing that's really important that I've really value is like having a community of people that are like-minded that in my life that that are on the same page that I can share with. And it doesn't necessarily have to be family because a lot of times family isn't on your same page. So having your tribe, like having a community of people that are on like a similar path that you can talk to when things are hard, that just understand you, get you, they don't judge you, they are good listeners. So mm-hmm. I think community is, is huge in whichever way you can find it. Uh, I run a and a Q&A, uh, once, we're going to be doing it tw- twice a month for patients where they come on and a lot of these patients are not necessarily having the support in their family or they don't have friends doing what they're doing so if we have it's a small group it doesn't I don't let it get bigger than 20 people so that they everybody asks a question and then we have a lot of back and forth and people feel uplifted they feel like they're part of something they feel like they're making a connection and then a lot of them have made formed friendships from there and you know I think that there are you know, group visits now these days, which I think is is really can be uplifting for, for the patient to have other people. And then um, for me to cultivate trust and faith um, in this such an uncertain world. And that's where um, I work really hard on, that's my own spiritual practice of learning and, and uh, the meditation and prayer and reading things that inspire me but anything that you know inspires me to have trust and faith in this world and and where mm-hmm. we're going and with the things that we see that are don't make us happy and that the conflicts and the different sides that people and the division that's happened over the past few years, so having something that cultivates trust and, and faith for me is is huge is big. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, You know, there's so much with that. Um, And uh, yeah, it is an uncertain world. I think what I give for people, and I also, you know, tell it to myself as well, is that, you know, just do your best, you know, just do your best with all your heart, um, you know, having, you know, good intentions, and um, just not worrying about, you know, anything else that comes later or afterwards, you know, as long as you're doing your best, I like to practice from a no regrets, you know, uh, approach. So if I know that, you know, I've had the best intentions, I did all that I can, um, you know, it's, uh, what else can you ask yourself? And I agree with you. We have to cultivate more gentleness and kindness and compassion for each other. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's where the community and the like-mindedness comes in and Um, you know, maybe not berate people when they have a difference of opinion, because, you know, they have a different, you know, uh, way of looking at the world. And that's, that's okay, too. You know, what I'm saying so, um, you know, there's a lot to it. So I feel like we can go on and on, Dr. Sherry, but uh, <laughs> we definitely have to come to a close. Um, if people are interested in uh, learning more about you, uh, finding your services, um, you know, where can they look for you?
1: Sure. Um, Well, they can go to my website, which is uh, drsherrygreen.com. It's S-H-E-R-R-I-G-R-E-E-N-E. There's an E at the end of green. Uh, they can find me on Instagram, which is just at Dr. Sherry green. Um, there's a lot of great information, uh, that I post on there, trying to educate people as much as possible. They can find me on Facebook is Dr. Sherry green again. Um, and you can go, there is a contact page on my website where you can send me an email. Um, yeah, pretty available to get in touch with.
0: Okay. Well, I love it. Um, thank you for doing what you do. Um, you know, please uh, definitely be safe and uh, keep learning. Um, I think what I took from this is, you know, there's just so many different views and so many ways of looking at things, but just never stop learning. And I think that whether you're a healthcare professional or you know someone that is just an avid learner, you know, curious or maybe just you know, um, any curiosity, I think, is a nice you know spark to kind of you know be I'm the just first. step. Say that.
1: I was just (laughs) being curious, just be curious. That leaves you like open to understand others and why they may think, just be curious instead of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, having more conflict. Right. So I I agree. And uh, Dr. Colin, this is uh, wonderful. I love what you do. I love the chef doc. It's really uh, amazing. uh, Teaching the teaching that you're doing and the sharing that you're doing is wonderful. And thank you for having me on here today.
0: Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate those words. Um, Guys, thank you so much for being here with us. If you enjoyed this, please like, comment, and subscribe. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, you please let them know as well. And until the next episode, please say goodbye to Dr. Sherry. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching that episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you like this, please like, follow, and subscribe. And please follow us for the latest updates for this season, season five. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and YouTube. And thank you so much again, and we will see you on the next one.